Very simple, simple woman, powerful ministry, used mightily during the charismatic movement to bring the Holy Spirit back into the church. And she'd see people in the congregation talking and just visiting, which we do. We're social people, right? But all of a sudden, she'd start weeping. And she goes, don't grieve the Holy Ghost. Don't grieve the Holy Ghost with great, and great passion. She would plead with them. She'd say, he's all I got. He's all I got. That's all any of us have, you know. We only have the Holy Spirit, which is everything. He's everything. He is everything. He is the spirit of truth. He's the spirit of love. He's the spirit of joy. He's the spirit of hope. I mean, without the Holy Spirit, we have nothing. Amen. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can transform our lives. We can't change our lives. We can't change anybody else's life. I can't motivate you to do anything in this church, nor can you motivate anybody else to do something. It's only the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of truth. And there's so much chaos in this world. Have you ever seen such a mess before in your whole life? I mean, if it wasn't so sickening, it'd be kind of comical. But it's terrible. The, the condition of this world. And John the Baptist cried in the wilderness. And he said, repent! For the kingdom of God is at hand. What is the kingdom of God, church? The kingdom of God is God's sovereign government here on earth. It's his sovereign government here on earth. That's what the kingdom of God is. We who are born again... We are born to live according to his decrees, to his dictates. When we said yes, because we knew that we were a sinner, and there's no way that we could ever, ever come to a holy God because we were not righteous, no, not one bit. And we came to that place of reckoning at the foot of the cross, and we said, Lord Jesus, please forgive me of all of my sins, I am totally undone. I recognize what you did for me on Calvary's cross. Come into my heart. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I'm all yours. At that moment, his government, his rule, his dictates, the way he wants us to live came into our hearts. Amen. Because in a kingdom, there's two things. You have a king and you have a domain. You have a king and we serve the king of kings, don't we? Jesus Christ, he's the king of kings. He's the one that's in charge. It doesn't matter who's in the White House, who's in the, the, the governor's mansion. It doesn't matter who is there. Jesus is king. And Jesus rules and reigns. And his domain is our hearts as believers. He gives us his spirit. So we can receive those dictates and those decrees. A kingdom. A kingdom is a place, number one, write this down, of influence. 
A kingdom is a place of influence. A kingdom is a place of, of dominion. A kingdom is a place of will. And it's a place of lordship. There are four qualities of the kingdom of God. And, and, and we could preach just on this. But the kingdom of God is different than any other kingdom of this world. First of all, it's a supernatural kingdom. It's a supernatural kingdom because the king we serve is just not any ordinary king. But he's a supernatural, holy, majestic God. And there's nothing that stands against him or is greater than him. You realize God's not limited by our little antics? We think we're so enlightened and that we know everything. <laughs> well, if we knew everything, why would we have such a mess? But he's a supernatural. It's a supernatural kingdom. Say supernatural kingdom. It's a supernatural kingdom. I think about this all the time. When Jesus came on the scene, the word that became flesh and dwelt among us, when he would go to the synagogue, he actually had something to say. All the other rabbis would get up there, blah, 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 blah. I mean, they were reading the Torah. They were reading God's word, right? But there was no heart behind it. Jesus gets up there, and they're astonished beyond measure because his words are spirit and life, amen? And as he spoke that word, that word started to manifest and create. Why? They were amazed. There was a big storm on the sea. Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing here? He gets up, not one bit moved. And he speaks to that storm and he says, peace, be still. What's with this guy? Even the wind and the waves obey him because he's a supernatural God. The kingdom of God, it's a kingdom of power. Not just mere words, but the words, again, that Jesus spoke, they had power behind them. It's an unshakable kingdom. It's not here one day and gone tomorrow, but it's, it's, it's a, thus saith the Lord, it's an amen. Kings and kingdoms may pass away, Jesus said, but my words will never pass away. And fourthly, it's a kingdom which is manifested in the here and now. Repentance, you know what repentance is. It's a change of thinking. It's a change in which we're perceiving things. Amen. And when we change the way we think, then we change our behavior. Glory to God. So we're to repent, but repent from what? We are to repent from deviating from God's original intent. If something isn't working, it's best to pick up the instruction manual and start reading it and find out where you messed up. If you can figure out those things, sometimes I think they make them just so believers can lose their salvation. But nonetheless, what is God's original intent? Can I tell you something right now? The church isn't working. Government isn't working. Our culture isn't working. It isn't working. I don't care, I don't, oh, but we, we have 1,000, 10,000, 15,000 people coming to our church. We baptized 1,000 people last week, and I'm going, that's great. 
But how many know God's not a God all about numbers? We're not in the book of Numbers. We're in the book of Acts. How many of those people are still serving God today? How many of those people are still on fire for God today? How many of them have been discipled and they know the Christ that they said yes to? The secret to understanding and operating in the kingdom of God is to understand the power of the first Adam. When we understand the power of God's original intent for man, then we can understand how we should be living in the kingdom of God. And that's the litmus test. And if we're not living up to that standard, then guess what? We're missing it. If we understood this, our daily lives would be so different, church. We would walk differently. We would talk differently. And we would certainly live differently. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, the Apostle Paul said, I planted, Apollos, wa Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he, he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Say, it's God who gives the increase. Whether you plant the word, or whether you're called of God to be the one that waters that word that's already been planted, that's insignificant. What's significant is that God will bring the increase. Amen. Because the kingdom of God is a kingdom of increase. Say that with me. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of increase. God's original intent with the first Adam in regards to the kingdom was to bring increase in the domain that he gave Adam. That's God's intent for you and I. You and I to bring increase into the place that he's given us dominion of. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, we know how God created everything in Genesis, right? He spoke it and it came to be. But he did something different when it came to man. He actually knelt down on the ground. Imagine God doing this. And out of the clay of the ground, he formed man. Adam's name means a red clayish hue, Adam. And then God, he breathed into the nostrils of that which he created out of earth. And man became a living soul. And then God spoke. And he spoke. And when God speaks, it creates something. It creates his intent. It starts working. And what did God say in Genesis 1.28? Then God blessed them. And God said to them, he said to Adam and Eve, to mankind, he said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing. The five components of God's blessings as God spoke that blessing over mankind we are to be, number one, fruitful. Say fruitful. fruitful. We're not to be fruit loops. We're to be fruitful. Then we're supposed to multiply. Say multiply. multiply. Then we're called to replenish. 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 Then we're, then listen to this. Then we're supposed to subdue. What does subdue mean? It means to go in the middle of a chaotic situation like our society today and bring order to it. 
It's our job, church. We're the salt, we're the light. It's our job to bring order to this mess that we see around us right now. It's our job. And I'm grateful that we have men and women of God like John that are stepping out into the political realm. And I tell them all the time we're praying for them, and I want us all to be praying for them. We need godly men and women that are going to help to establish godly policies in these places, right? And be a voice for righteousness. But that doesn't mean that our job is done then. Once they get into that office, which they're going to get into that office, we need to continue to pray for them and continue to pray that God will use them mightily to start changing things and bring order into our culture. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, it's all about you. And it's all about me. God is bringing us his church. He's bringing, yes, even river of glory into a season of supernatural increase. And it's only going to happen. Listen to me. This is so key. It's only going to happen when we truly understand and operate in kingdom fellowship. The increase that God wants us, the multiplication, the fruitfulness, the re to replenish, uh, to subdue, right? To uh, have dominion and make a difference is if we, we, across the aisle, we get rid of all the schism and all the, the, can I just be real with you today? Ever since the pandemic, we could call it the pandemic. I know now I'll probably get kicked off of Facebook for saying that. But I know ever since that happened, the church has really been struggling. It has been a challenge. And it's estimated that by December 31st of this year, close to 10,000 churches are going to shut their doors in America. Because pastors, listen to me, Pastors don't know what to do anymore. Because you know why? Because everybody's doing their own thing. Everybody's doing their own thing. Never before have I ever seen in my 30 some almost 40 years as a Christian such individualism in the church. And it's just not our church. And you guys are lovely people, and I love you all. But it's the spirit of the world. It's the spirit of the world. To be all about ourselves, me, myself, and I. That's why, when all of a sudden, after the, the Mir's prayer bre breakfast, some of the pastors said, We need to get together and we need to start coming together. I said, Yes, let's do it. But even in this body, we need to come together, church. We need to come together. I know you all got certain areas, that's your ministry, and that's where your heart is, and I get that. And I will help you however I can. Uh, Teresa and I have been good about that. We help, we've helped so many people launch out into ministry, and we're happy to do that. That's part of our call. It's an apostolic call. But you've got to remember, there's other people in this church, too, that have giftings and callings. And we're only stronger when we do it together. This isn't a competition thing. Thank you, 
And I, and I need you here. I need you here. If you have service, I'd like you to be here. I know that's not popular. But I need you here. The Lord needs you here. We, we can't do this. Happened in. What we've done in the church, we, we, you know, it, okay. Do you realize God's original intent was the book of Acts? We're going to read it in just a second. The early church, how they grew. But I truly believe that the Apostle Paul would come here today and visit any church in Rochester, Minnesota today, maybe even here. He wouldn't even recognize it. And sad to say, we in the church, we probably wouldn't recognize and receive him. Because over time, we have taken out so much of God's original intent for the church. What is God's original intent for the church, you ask? Well, let's look when he birthed the church. Go to Acts chapter 2 real quick. Of course, Peter's preaching in verse 41, they gladly received the word. They were baptized that day. 3,000 people gave their heart to Jesus, where they were added to the church. But let's go start in verse 42. It said, and they, speaking of the church that was just birthed by the Holy Ghost, they continued sometimes. They continued when they felt like it. They continued when it fit in their schedule. They continued when everything was going good in their lives. My Bible says they continued steadfastly. Meaning this is a way of life. This is a way of life. And we in the church have gotten so soft. They continued steadfastly. And number one, the apostles' doctrine... And fellowship, number two, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And because they did just those few things right there, look what it says in verse 43. Then a fear, a wonder came upon them. A wonder. They started to grow. They, they, they couldn't wait to come to church because they knew that God was going to be there and God was going to show up and it was going to be awesome. And it wasn't a fake show, it was real. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and they had all things in common and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And because of all of that, Look what it says here at the end of that verse 47. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Can I tell you something? You are the most precious thing to God. Every human on this earth is the most precious thing to God. He treasures you. He rejoices over you. He's up in heaven right now. 
spinning around in a circle, just having a great old time because he's celebrating you. That's how much he loves you. He really wants his church to go back to the way he designed it. He wants his church to go past just mere socializing to have genuine fellowship. Because when that happens, <laughs> we don't have to worry about doing any programs or trying to work people up. God will bring them because it's God's original intent, it's God's design, and it's everything that every one of us in this room long for, and that's acceptance. We want to be accepted. We want to be affirmed. We want to have a place of belonging. And see, the early church, this was a way of life, continually, steadfastly, they did this. They came in fellowship. They stayed with the apostles' doctrine. What's the apostles' doctrine? That's a good question. And I'm going, Lord, is that what you want me to teach on next week? I don't know. Maybe I need to, I'm going to go through the whole New Testament and I'm just going to write down what is the apostles' doctrine? We've gotten so big into so many things and there's so many in the charismatic church right now, full gospel church, they have thrown out the word and it's all on experience now. God took me to heaven and he showed me this. Well, where does that line up with the word of God? Right? But you, but you weren't there. You weren't there when I had that experience with God. But, but listen, the devil can come like an angel of light. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, you're deceived. But because the word hasn't taken first place in the church because we want to be entertained in the church. And unless we entertain people, unless we give them prophetic words, I'm not against prophetic words. But there's a time, church, when we have to grow up and hear from God ourselves. And not always be looking for a word to confirm what God should already be speaking to our hearts about. It's time to grow up, church. But the early church, what were the ten characteristics? Number one, there was a hunger to hear from God. There was a hunger to hear from God. Have you ever gotten so hungry that you couldn't stand it and you had to get something to eat because you thought you were going to die? Have you ever gotten so hungry for God that you needed to have a word? You just needed to have a word personally just spoken to your heart because you were facing something that was just so hellish. They stayed steadfast to the apostles' doctrine. They actually listened and they made application to the word that was taught. Number two, there was an exciting sense of wonder and anticipation. What would happen if we had that anticipation and wonder every time we came together? And it doesn't always have to be here at church, but how about if you go over to a brother or sister's house? If there's just two or three gathered in his name, there he is. Amen? There were many signs and wonders that occurred. Well, of course there was, because that's where their faith was. There was a warm sense of community and belonging. There was genuine kingdom fellowship. There truly was a culture of honor there. 
there was an outward focus. Verse 46. There was gladness and laughter. They actually loved being together. They actually loved being together. They couldn't wait to come to church and fellowship with one another. There was simplicity of heart. Simplicity of heart. What does that mean? That means there wasn't any ulterior motive. There wasn't any grandstanding or posing. People were just genuine with one another. They were just real. They weren't there. If they were hurting, they told their brother, sister, I'm really hurting right now. And the other person wouldn't judge them because of that. They'd say, well, let's just pray for you. Amen? There's a good reputation. They had a good reputation in the community. And because of all of this, they grew. They grew in numbers. The early church, God's original intent, had these three characteristics. Number one, it was a supernatural church. Because they were overtaken by a supernatural God. Number two, it was a powerful church. Every time they prayed for someone, they didn't have to wonder, was that person going to get healed? <laughs> was that person going to get that? We're praying? No, they would come together. And at times, even it said when they were praying, and I think it's Acts chapter 4, they came together and the earth started to shake because they were in such agreement and there was such power present. And thirdly, it was a community church. It was a community church. They had everything in common. They helped each other out. Amen. What made the early church so powerful? They didn't name themselves. They didn't name themselves. They weren't the first Lutheran church or the first Methodist church or the last Methodist church or... They weren't the charismatic church or assembly of God. No, they were just the church. How many know that God knows what he's doing? Why do you think there's so many different named churches and different denominations? Hmm? Maybe, could it be because we don't get along? Because we don't agree on things? Well, this is the way I think we should do it. No, this is the way I think it should be done. I think we should sing, sing this song. No, I don't think we should sing that song. I think we should have instruments. No, I don't think we should have instruments. You know, it, it gets ridiculous. And so instead of coming together, let's just, let's just get our own little click and let's just, let's just worship with people that are like-minded. Let's just stay in our own little group. First time God created something, and when he created man, he says, it's not good that man be alone. And when we get secluded into our own little group, that's not good. These guys aren't going to get into office if we don't get behind them and pray for them. Amen? See, it takes a community. It takes all of us coming together.
But in the church, what we've done is we've replaced genuine fellowship. Well, the apostles' doctrine, well, that just goes without saying. I mean, we just, there's a lot of things we don't do. For instance, let's just talk about this one, and I'll get off of it. And I, if I'm ruffling feathers today, I guess I can't help it, because I said, Lord, I, I'll just say what you want me to say. I'm going off script right now. But we've gotten so institutionalized in the church, and the church is not an institution, it's a family, and it's all about relationship. I tell you, everything with the kingdom of God comes through, comes through relationship. It's the, same in the, it's the same in the church. And what we've done in the church now is we, there are people in the church that feel that they're called into a five-fold office. So what do we do? We ship them off to Bible school. Not that I'm against Bible schools. By the way, Mavis is coming on Wednesday night. She's going to register people for the Bible school. (laughs) I'm not against Bibles, but listen to me. The reason why I like Mavis is this. She comes alongside the church. She's not going to take you out of this church. But she's she's going to promote you to stay in this church. And she's a teacher. She's part of the presbytery because that's really what should happen in the local church. If you feel you're called to be a pastor, a prophet, a teacher, an evangelist, the way it's supposed to be done, God's way, is that you come alongside a seasoned man or woman of God that's called in that office and you apprentice with them and you learn from them. It's the Paul and Timothy thing. Amen? And then, and then, when you're ready, then the presbytery, the leaders in that local church that know you, that have seen you, that have seen your quality of work, have, 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 have seen that that gift is there and you're operating in it, then what they do is they lay hands on you and they can confirm that calling, right? And then you're launched out into your ministry. But we, what we've done in the church is, you feel you're called? Well, go to Bible school. You go to Bible school. Listen, you can't, you can't go get a degree like you can get an engineering degree. Ministry, a five-fold call, that's, that's, that's not a, um, oh gosh, what can I say? You can't go to school to be a pastor. You can't go to school to be an apostle. You can't go to school to be an evangelist. You can't go to school for this stuff. You can't. You're either called to that office by Jesus Christ and whom he calls, right? He equips you. He anoints you. Amen? Amen. And then when you're finally ready, he confirms it and then you're sent out. You go to a Bible school, those teachers don't know you. You could go to Bible school and, and, and do all your assignments and get all your tests in and do a good job, but you could be living like the devil the rest of the time and they don't even know that. we got to get back to the church. we got to get back to God's original plan. Because only until we get to... And only until we get back to God's original plan are we going to see growth. We're not going to see growth unless we get back to God's plan. It's either going to be God's way or it's just not going to work. Amen? And, And that's really kind of where we've gotten. Hallelujah. You still love me or do you wish Sue was here preaching again today? 
We need to be accountable to one another. Church, we have to get real with one another. This isn't a social club. This is a church. And with fellowship, there's genuine heart. There's a covenant relationship. And when there's a covenant relationship, you invest your heart into another person's heart that's sitting next to you, right? And when you invest something into someone, guess what? There's value. And when there's value, you're not so apt to just discard that person. You're not so apt to just, you know, pass judgment on them. Which, by the way, go ahead and read James chapter 2, verses 1 through, I think it's, I don't know, 5 or 6. I read the whole chapter, it'll be good for you. But in there, he talks about um, not being partial and how God views partiality and when we start judging one another. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Well, we're all over the place here today. I want God's way, don't you? He knows what he's doing. And and he's bringing us into that place, right? God's original intent. Those two two are the main ones out of the ten, but I don't know, maybe he'll have me talk on the other eight. It's getting back to the apostles' doctrine and really treasuring genuine fellowship with one another. Because the Bible says in Corinthians, when one suffers, we all should be suffering. And if we're not suffering when someone's going through a hard time, guess what? We're not as close to them as we think we are. And in this hour, we need each other. We, we're not going to survive by ourselves. We just, it just isn't going to happen. I am believing the best is yet to come that we sang today. But I also know (laughs) that there's going to be some challenges along the way. And the only way we're going to get there is if we do it together. Amen? Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. I'm just going to leave it at that. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for today. Thank you for coming into this house today and just moving on our hearts. We're so grateful, God, that you're so committed to finish the work that you began in all, every one of us, each in every one of us, Lord. We love you, Lord. Father, I speak a blessing over each person in this congregation, my God. I thank you, God, for them. I thank you for the gifts that you've placed in them. I thank you for the anointing that's inside of them, my God. And I thank you, Lord, that you're bringing us together in a season like none other. And you will be glorified beyond measure And we will see your supernatural hand. We'll see your powerful hand. And we'll see such a community, a sense of community, Lord, that there'll be nothing, absolutely nothing that the devil can throw our way that will distract us and get us off track. We thank you, Lord, that you're adding to your body those that will be saved daily. And we give you glory for all of this in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Have a blessed day. We'll see you on Wednesday night.